Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Yo, what's up, friends in the room? Everybody, thanks for hanging out with us. Everybody watching online, great to have you here. Listen, last week, uh, we had people online watching from North and South Carolina, Virginia, Texas, California, Washington. Had people in Mississippi joining in. What's up, Mississippi? I didn't even know you guys had internet in Mississippi. <laughs> just, just kidding, just kidding. We love you. Uh, man, crazy. But listen, if you're watching from California, you gotta want it because it's like 8 a.m. here. And uh, we have a 9.30 service, and none of y'all were here. Uh, so I know 9.30 is the crack of 9.30 for you guys, but uh, if you're watching on the West Coast, this is real deal right here. It's 8 a.m. Good morning. Welcome from North Carolina. Um, I'm excited to be together. Next week, you don't want to miss it. I'm going to give you a little teaser. We're starting a brand new teaching series on uh, one of the most well-known characters in all the Bible, Samson. Okay. Now, I don't know if you call it, I say Samson. There's a P in there because I'm from the South. And uh, so whether you say Samson or you know that there's a P in there, it's just silent Samson in the spelling. Uh, we're going to talk about it. Uh, you know Samson probably, even if you don't, aren't really familiar with the Bible, you've probably heard of the name uh, Samson before. You're thinking long, gorgeous hair, really strong man, psychopath girlfriend. Hey there, Delilah. You know, so we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about Samson. You might know Samson as a hero in the Bible, but I believe that there are more things that we can learn from the mistakes that this long-haired man did uh, than the good things. And so we're going to take five weeks, starting next week, to walk through the, the mistakes, the failures of Samson. I've told you this, guys, before. I, my favorite way to learn is from other people's mistakes. And so we're going to highlight the big, life-altering mistakes that this guy made. I know you think he's a hero. I know all the stories you've heard. Uh, but I think over the next few weeks, you're going to learn a new side of Samson uh, that you've never, never heard before. So let's learn together, and uh, that, that's going to be fun. But today, I, I want to close down this squad series uh, kind of with an observation uh, for you. There, there's no doubt about it, but technology is changing the world that we live in right now, changing very quickly. Uh, some of it's for the good, and some of it's for the not so good. Uh, we've learned a lot with technology over this past season. In 2020, we learned that we can take all of school online because of technology. We might not be as smart as we were back in 2019, uh, but we can still take it online. Uh, we can take tests online. We can read textbooks online. Uh, we can do video conferencing online. Uh, my kids even had their, their PE classes. Like, they took gym online. Like, their gym teachers are filming themselves in their living room doing exercises and stretches and dances and like my kids are in their room doing exercises in their room just to get credit for, for PE. So we, we, can, we can do it. Technology makes that available. I learned just this week that my doctor's office does virtual visits. So if you don't want to go and wait in the waiting room, you can call and do a video appointment. And your doctor, my doctor, can, can like look at you over the screen uh, like open up your mouth and get real close to the camera, right? And, and, he, and like, the light turns on. And they can look at your throat and go, oh, this is what you got. So he can diagnose over the computer and also call in a prescription for you without you having to even go into the office. Man, that's a game changer. 
uh, the, the, the medical world and technology allows us uh, to do that. Uh, last week, I was over at uh, Stephen Lockwood's house. Stephen is, is, this is his first Sunday out at the Walkertown campus. He's a new campus pastor out there. Love that. That's going to be awesome. He's got two boys, two teenagers, and he bought them an Oculus. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen one of these or put one of them on, but it's like a gaming system that's, you put it on your head and it's virtual reality. And they had this one particular game that y- you walk through a haunted house and so I've never tried it before, never seen it before. And so I put it on. You, you put it on over your face. It, it straps to your head. And you have these controllers that you hold in your hand. And you're, you're walking through this haunted house. Even though I'm in his living room, I'm walking through a haunted house. And I can reach out and open up doors in the house and close cabinets in the kitchen in this house. I can walk upstairs. And I'm still in his living room. Now, he's videoing it because it's great uh, entertainment with just like watch me because he knows like I'm going to open up a certain door and there's going to be something scary and I'm going to scream and, and try to run from it. Uh, but like I'm, I'm walking up and there's a, there's a balcony with a banister. I'm looking over the banister. I'm looking down. Like it's, it's just totally submersive, this environment that you're in. And man, what happened to like Super Mario Brothers? Man, where you had to, you remember when like the game wouldn't even work unless you blowed on it? <laughs> It's like, hey, game's not working. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Slide that thing. <laughs> Click <laughs> on, right? What in the world? Uh, different, different world, but it, it was really cool. And, and so it began to make me think, um, man, with technology advancing so much and we got, we got virtual reality now, where is the church headed? Like, we have some churches, especially after COVID, that, man, almost all churches are online now. They might not be streaming live like we do, but their services, you can catch them online later in the week on Facebook or YouTube. And there are even some churches that have a campus in the metaverse. Like real talk, like, like you put your Oculus on and even though you're in the living room, you walk into a virtual church. And there's a stage with avatars that are leading worship and a guy's picture on a screen behind it. And, and it's like seating just like this. You, you, you walk in and you get to pick which row you sit on in which seat you, you occupy. And there's, there's guest services avatars at the front door of this building when you walk in. I'm like, man, this is wild where we're headed. And we begin to, with technology, we begin to redefine even the word church. Like, what is a church? What does the, the church do? Now, some people aren't ready to embrace that aspect of technology yet. And so they're moving kind of like in the opposite direction, but we're still having the conversation about what is church. Uh, like you probably have friends that are, are sitting at home right now. I have people that I know that this is their church. They wake up on a Sunday morning and, and they go and make themselves a cup of coffee and they, they go to that comfortable chair in their living room or, or in their den and, and they sit down and they open up their Bible and they begin to read in their Bible some and they'll pull up Spotify and listen to some, some worship music and uh, maybe they spend some time praying even. And, and when they get done after 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, they'll get up and they'll say, this morning I had church. I had church in my home. Uh, I know other guys that uh, they, they, they connect with God through nature. And th- they'll say like, my church is when I'm on the golf course, right? And I don't know about you, but I, I, like, I, I, I tend to use the most curse words on the golf course. Like I'm the furthest away from God on the golf course than I could ever be in my life. And, uh, but for some reason, like they're in tune with God on the golf course, or they're sitting on a boat or 
in a tree stand during the fall and they're hunting and they're fishing and they're like, this is my sanctuary. This is my church. This is where I, I connect with God. And maybe you even heard this phrase, uh, we're not supposed to go to church. We are the church. And it's this understanding that the church is not this building that we're in right now. The church is us. But here's what happens. The pendulum swings so much that even though the church isn't the building, we get to the point in our lives where we think we don't actually have to assemble anymore. Because if you are the church, then you can just stay at home and go to church. If you are the church, then church is wherever you are. It's in Walmart when you shop or the grocery store. It's in the, the, the tree stand or in the golf cart or whatever you like to do for entertainment. It's you sitting on your couch watching NASCAR on a Sunday afternoon. That's church because I'm the church. But interestingly enough, the Bible actually has a lot to say about what is the church. And as we close down this squad series, we've, we've been talking about the people that you need in your life. We talked about having a mentor, someone that's above you, an apprentice, someone that's below you, an encourager, someone that's beside you. And today we're going to close it down by looking at what the Bible says are the people that are around us. We need people that are around us in order to become the man and the woman that God has called us to be. And so for people that are, are really struggling with this idea of, is there any value in getting together like this on a Sunday? Come on, as fast as technology is moving right now, can't we just all put on our Oculus and, and go to church virtually? Can't I just stay at home and not even have to worry about doing your hair and putting your makeup on and making sure your clothes are ironed? Some of you skipped that step anyway, so great, welcome. Um, but can't we just do it in the comfort of our own home? And so I want to look at a, a passage of Scripture that maybe you've heard, especially in this past season, that begins to define some of those things and helps us to understand the importance of this gathering because I would argue that even though technology promises to make us even more connected than ever, we find ourselves more isolated than we've ever been. And there's a benefit in the church, which according to the Greek is the gathering, the assembled ones. You can't be the church by yourself, by definition. And so the problem that the Bible is going to have is this one phrase, one another. 59 different times in the Bible, the phrase one another is used to describe what the church does as a whole. We love one another, we encourage one another, we build up one another, uh, we sometimes rebuke one another, we challenge one another, we push one another. So many different words, 59 different phrases that's used over 100 times just in the New Testament. And so here's the question that I have for you this morning as we wrestle in who's in your squad, who are the people that are around you? Here's the problem. You cannot one another like God has called you to by yourself. When you're at home just reading your Bible, it's hard to love one another because there's no one another's there. When you're in your car listening to worship music and singing your heart out and having, the, having a moment, it's hard to serve one another when you're the only one there. And so there's two verses in the book of Hebrews. If you have your Bible, let's open it up to it. If you have your notes uh, in the app, all the notes will be there. Two verses that I want to read that are full of these phrases of one another that actually calls us 
to what we're really here to do. The thing that you cannot do by yourself that we can only do when the church gathers, when we assemble. So if you have your Bible, let's do Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, The author of Hebrews here, we're, we're not sure who really authored Hebrews. We have a couple of different ideas, but scholars haven't landed on a particular author. Uh, But in in chapter 10, verse 24, see if you recognize these verses. The author says, "And, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You might be familiar with one particular phrase in those verses. You've probably heard it a lot, especially uh, since COVID. Uh, Do not neglect gathering together. Don't neglect assembling together as a church. I love that you read your Bible at home. I love that you have a playlist. Revo Church has a Spotify playlist. If you like the songs we sing on Sunday morning, you can look those up on Spotify. But there is a calling that we have. Being a church is not gym class. Remember when you had to go to gym class in middle school and high school? The grade was just attendance. Like you just had to show up and dress out and you got an A. You didn't have to hit home runs. You didn't have to be the fastest kid in the room. Like all you do is show up to class and you dress out and you pass gym. Now a lot of people think that's what church is. You show up, you dress out, and like that's it. That's, that's all you have to do. But scripture is going to argue, don't forsake gathering. That's all we got, just show up, right? But scripture argues there are so many other one another's that we are called to do in, in our life. And so if you have your notes, take your, take your books out. I'm going to give you four one another's that I hope our church is really good at. I want to be good at one anothering one another at, at Revo. And so the author here gives us four ways. This is, he really builds a case for why it is so important to show up as the assembled church. It can be outside, it can be inside, it can be in your home with a big group of friends. Either way, what happens when we assemble together? The first thing that the author of Hebrew tells us this, when you assemble together, here's the first one another. Number one, jot this down. We have to consider one another. Consider one another. Scripture says that, and let us consider these things. Then the author lists out these things. I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but this is one of the only settings, a a local church on a Sunday morning, one of the only settings where when people walk in the door, you automatically have to remind yourself, this is not about you. Almost every other setting you walk into is about you. When you go out to lunch today, when you walk into that restaurant, it's all about you. How many people do you have in your party? We have four. We want to sit in a booth, not a table. We want our food to come out fast, and we want it to be hot, and we want it to be good, and we want it to be reasonable. And when you walk in those doors, the whole wait staff is all about you. It's all about you having a good experience, you getting what you want. Even when you go to work, technically, most of that is about you. Because when you walk in there, you're going to do your job description. You're going to show up at the right time and leave at the right time. And when you've clocked out, like, it's over. Why do you do that for a paycheck? It's about me. I'm doing this job so that I can have money and pay all of my bills. It's not because I love this job or my boss is super cool. Like, no, you do it for money. That's why you go to work. And so even that is about you. Almost every environment we find ourselves in, is centered on us, except when the church gathers. 
and the, the command from Hebrews 10 is when you gather and get together like this, the first phrase in the verse is I want you to consider one another. Consider means to take note of others and to be mindful of their welfare. Not to take note of yourself and to make sure that people are taking care of me. So that's a big challenge when you walk in here. And the reality is you can't consider one another if you're at home by yourself. You can't consider others when you're living in isolation. So how can you one another alone? You can't. It's the importance of the family of God gathering on a Sunday morning, assembling together. We're meeting the needs of others. We're serving others. We're helping others. We're praying for others. I mean, name another place where you can walk in and they're gonna give you a free drink on the way door, on the way in the door. They'll give you a free cup to drink it out of, free childcare downstairs. Like, name it. We don't, we don't ask anything. We don't demand anything from anybody. It's all about serving others, putting others in front of ourselves. That's something that's unique about it. You can't one another like that if you're by yourself. The second one is this. Not only do we consider one another, but there's a phrase right after that, one of my favorite phrases in the whole text. Uh, The next one is this. Number two, write it down. We stir up one another. We consider one another and we stir up one another. The phrase is, and let us consider one another and stir up one another to love and good works. Now, last time I told uh, a story or an illustration about a Mexican restaurant, I had, no lie, like 10 or 12 people go out to eat after the service and eat tacos, and they were sending me pictures of their Mexican food. And they're like, see, pastor, I listened to your sermon. I was like, okay, well, if that's what you got out of it, that's a good place to start. Uh, Let's move past that. So I understand I'm getting ready to tell this story, and like 10 people are going to send me pictures of cheese dip, but I got to give you this illustration, right? When I take my girls to a Mexican restaurant, we always have to get cheese dip. I don't know who invented cheese dip. Smooth, warm, salty, flavorful. Whoever invented it, gracias. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Whoever it is, but we always got to have it. We walk in there and it's like, before we even order, we haven't even looked at the menu yet. We're like, hey, bring us a bowl of cheese dip. And, and they bring out the chips and the cheese dip and my girls attack it. I usually don't eat it because some girls in my family have a problem with double dipping. And uh, it's, uh, so like as soon as it gets to the table, I'm trying to get my chip in first because that's the only bite I'm gonna get because uh, one, one of my daughters uh, will remain nameless. Let's so just call her Lydia. Uh, Lydia. Lydia will like to bite a chip, dip it back in there. Then she drops the chip in there. No problem. Bare hands the chip out of it and picks it up. So like I'm done with the cheese dip. Like I'm gonna get one taste and I'm gonna be good. So they're attacking it while they're in there. But you know, good thing about our Mexican restaurant is they bring the food out pretty quick. And so they got it down to a system. So it's not long before they get their meals brought out and then all of a sudden nobody's interested in the cheese dip. What happens to the cheese dip when it sits there? It gets cold. And it starts to get like a, a skin forms on the top. That's grossing me out. A film, <laughs> cheese skin. Right now, there's a film that, that forms on the top of it. And like, because it started to get cold on the top, and, and so the girls are eating, and, and, but eventually they'll come back to the cheese dip. And here's what happens. Once that little layer of film forms on the top of the cheese, here's what you gotta do. You gotta take a chip, and you gotta dip it in there, and you gotta stir it around. And when that skin <laughs> film falls down into the warm cheese, it remelts. And so now it's all creamy again, and it's warm, and it's gooey, and it's salty, and it tastes great. 
That's the exact same. I can't prove that the author of Hebrews had his mind on queso when he wrote this, but that's what I think of. Because let's face it, we come in here on a Sunday morning and we get fired up. And we sing songs that magnify Jesus and we're in a room full of people that are on team Jesus and hopefully you hear an encouraging word that challenges you. And it's easy to walk out the door and be like, man, yeah, let's go. That was great. I'm fired up. I'm excited. And you're like runny cheese dip going out of here. It's awesome. Then Monday happens. And Mondays are Monday. And then Tuesday. And it feels like a Monday on Tuesday sometimes. And by Wednesday, what happens? What was spiritually on fire in our hearts now feels like there's a layer of film on top. And it's kind of hardened a little bit. And all of a sudden by Wednesday, we're not fired up about loving one another and serving one another and elevating Jesus above everything else. And the Bible's the last thing on our minds. And so what happens during the week is that film begins to harden over our hearts. And that's why it's important when you come back into your art group during the week or when we gather here on a Sunday morning, what happens? We get stirred back up. It's like somebody takes a spiritual chip and dips it all in your cheese dip and stirs it back up. Gets you fired back up to become the man or the woman that God has called you to be. And that's why it's important to gather. You can't stir your own cheese dip. Like, you can't do this by yourself. I mean, you can try to give yourself a pep talk, but come on, it doesn't work. If it worked every time, you wouldn't be discouraged. You wouldn't need someone else to help you in your life. So the Bible says not only do we consider one another, live selfless lives when we gather together, but sometimes, let's just be honest, I need to come in here and I need for you guys to kind of stir it up some. Like it, there's, there's been hardened places in my heart, in my life, where I'm not as on fire, where I'm not burning hot like I used to be. But when I get in a room full of people and I hear you sing and, and we share with each other and share stories and get to be in the room together, man, there's just something happens. Those hardened, cold places begin to warm again. But here's the deal. You can't stir up one another when you're by yourself. You got to do it when you're assembled. You got to do it when you're gathered. We consider one another, number one. We stir up one another, number two. Next time when you walk in the door, just, just grab somebody, shake their hand, be like, hey man, I'm here to stir that cheese dip up. Man, we're here to stir the cheese dip in your life. Just think about it. It helps for me. It helps me to remember it. Third one is this. Some of your versions, if you're, if you're reading out of the ESV, I'm reading ESV this morning, but some other versions add this word. It says we are to provoke one another. Not only do we consider one another, not only do we stir up one another, but we provoke one another. You can't provoke one another when you're by yourself. The word provoke means to prod and to instigate someone. When I think of provoke, I think of like poking the bear with the stick, right? Now, when we think of provoke, maybe there's a negative connotation that comes to your mind with that. Um, when I think of provoke, I think of what I used to do uh, to, to my friends when I was in middle school and high school. Uh, I remember in middle school, occasionally, some of our uh, friends uh, would, would have an argument. They'd be, they'd, it would look like they were getting ready to get into a fight, like a, a heated moment on the playground or on the soccer field. And uh, even though we were really close friends with these people, here's what all of the guys would do. If two guys were arguing, all of their friends, we love both of them, we're friends with both of them, we would gather around them and begin to provoke them. Like, we wanted to see some action. We wanted to see a fight. Like, let's just mix it up, right? And so when it seemed like the argument was, was calming down, you would hear somebody from the crowd yell out something. You know, like something just to provoke and be like, hey, John, I heard he was talking about your mama yesterday. 
And then all the guys will be like, oh, no, your mama. He was talking about your mama, right? He's like, no, listen, don't, don't talk about my mama. You want to fight? Talk about my mama and see what happens. But we wanted to see something. Or somebody else, you're like, hey, I bet you won't hit him. <laughs> I bet you won't. If he hits you, I bet he beats you up. Saying things that would provoke. We want to see some action. We want to move from doing nothing to like full-fledged, no-holes-barred fighting on our hands right here. And to a certain degree, the author of Hebrews is calling us to provoke one another, but in a positive way. I, I don't want to think about it as in like poking a bear. I want to think about when we come in this room, it's like we're awakening a sleeping giant. See, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Spirit of God in your life. And someone sometimes needs to come around and provoke your insights, provoke the Spirit that is in you. Because there's, there's, like a, there's a power in you, there's a calling in you, there's a purpose in you, and so many people are walking without it. So many people are walking and living their life completely ignoring it. You need someone to come into your life and to see something that's in you that you don't even see in you yet. And that's what happens when we get together. We provoke one another to service. We provoke one another to love. Our lives are just on cruise control until we get in a room like this and somebody says, hey man, I bet you won't take your next step. I bet you won't live bold this week. Hey, what, what would happen if you, if you said yes to Jesus right now? Think about that. And we begin to stir something in the hearts of others and in the lives of others. There's times in my life where like, I need somebody to poke me. I, I need somebody to say, hey, don't settle. God has more for you. Continue to move forward. Keep saying yes. Somebody like shake things up in your life. And scripture says, man, we, we are provoked in that way, there's a sleeping giant in all of us that when we get together, it just begins to be aroused and stirred up. And that's by design. You can't do that by yourself. You, you can't be positive and pick yourself up all the time. You can't just rely on yourself to give yourself a pep talk. You need someone on the outside. You need a one another. And for the people in your squad, you need to be one anothering one another. It's just what we do. It's the definition of the gathered ones, the assembled ones, the church. There is something that is calling us to greatness, to radical obedience, to life change through Jesus, to something more. And we need people that are moving in that same direction, that are running beside us that says, come on, you can do it. Come on, keep moving. Come on, keep going. We need somebody to poke the spiritual bear inside of us uh, so that we can do what God's called us to do. Last one is, is this. We hinted a little bit about it with Barnabas last week, but the, the author of Hebrews closes out in this last verse. He says, after you uh, are, are doing all these things, these one-anothering things, the last one is this. I want you to encourage one another. When we get together, we are encouraging one another. Uh, the phrase in, in verse 25 is, but, but encouraging one another all the more. All the more, like we're constantly encouraging one another. We're constantly lifting each other up, constantly investing and pouring out for the benefit of others. Encourage, some of your translations may say exhort. Uh, we need to exhort one another. It means to strongly encourage or urge someone. The fact that Hebrews includes this word is a realization that you gotta understand and it, and it helps you to understand the purpose of the squad and why it's so important. The reason why the word encourage is in this verse 
is because it's an understanding that as followers of Jesus, your life will not always be encouraging. There are times, there, there are some people that believe, like, once I give my life to Jesus and once I become a Christian, I'll never have a bad day in my life. Some pastors are slinging that stuff around. Not true. Not true. The reality is, there'll be some tough times. There'll be difficult days in relationships and in finances and in business and in your career and in your family and in your marriage. There'll be rough times. There'll be times where you're just flat out discouraged. And it'll be in those moments that you'll realize the value of your squad, the people that are around you, the people that have surrounded you. Because one of our responsibilities is to encourage one another when we're together. I don't know if, if you're aware, uh, but if you walk around, even on a Sunday morning, I can pass people and I can see the look on their face. And I can tell they've had a rough week. I can tell something's on their mind. Maybe you got in a fight <laughs> with your spouse on the way to church. Maybe your kids were going crazy in the back seat. Maybe you got something going on this week at work that you're just dreading. And it's been looming and it's occupying your mental faculty so much like you just, you're just walking around in a daze. And you're discouraged. And yeah, you could stay at home and continue to be discouraged, but for some reason you showed up here. And one of the responsibilities that we have as a, as a family, everybody that's in this room, everybody watching online, is when you encounter people like that or that are discouraged, you take a moment, because you're considering everyone else, you take a moment and you just say, hey, what can I do for you? Everything okay? How can I encourage you? Is there some, some way that I can serve you? Some way that I can love you. Some way that I can make your burden a little bit easier. Is there a way that I can pray for you? Hey, just what's on your mind? I can tell something's not right. You're wrestling. You're struggling. You're preoccupied with something in your mind. Like this is the reality of what it means to be a part of a church family. Like life is not always bright and sunny. But the difference that we have is when you surround yourself with a group of people that are all about stirring each other up and provoking and considering other people, then you walk into a room that's ready to encourage. You walk into a room that's, that's ready to bless, that's ready to help, that's ready to serve, that's ready to provide. And you can't have that by yourself. Hey, I love the fact that you, you have a comfy chair in your house and you read your Bible and you've got a, a worship set list on Spotify, but you can't one another alone. And that is what God has called us to do. That's the responsibility that we have. Even when it sounds and feels like the world is off the rails, sometimes I can walk into a room like this and be encouraged. When I see people taking next steps, when I see people singing and I get to hear your voices together, when we open up the word and it just feels like God is making it come alive, speaking to our current situation, like the Holy Spirit's moving in people's lives, it's encouraging. And I start to have a different perspective when I look towards the future. I'm like, you know what? I know it feels like everything out there is on fire, but this is a good perspective change. Good to see people moving in the right direction that still love and honor God and want to put him first, that still believe that Jesus is in the business of changing people's lives, that still have hope for the world that's found in the gospel, that still believe we have a purpose that is much beyond ourselves. That's a unique gathering. The Bible calls it ecclesia, the church, the gathered ones, the assembled ones that have a purpose every time we get together. So I want you to think about that. Think about that when you walk into the doors. There are people here that need to be stirred up, that need to be encouraged, that need to be provoked. 
There are people in here that, that, that need to be considered what they're going through and what they're struggling with. Will you say yes to the one another's? Will you be a church that one another's one another really well? I hope so. You guys are an encouragement to me every time you come into the door. The people that are around you are encouraged by your singing. I know some of you can't sing. That's why we put the volume up so loud. We're trying to drown it out. Uh, But man, just being around other people that are moving in the right direction is an extreme encouragement to me. You stir up my heart and soul every time we gather. And uh, man, I hope you'll take that responsibility and let's multiply it in our faith family together. Can I pray for you? God, thanks for the shift in perspective. Thanks for the reminder that this life that we live, this family that we are a part of, this squad that we have around us is so much bigger than us. That you actually have a purpose and a plan, a calling in it to be outwardly focused, to stir others up, to provoke one another towards love and good deeds, to encourage those that are discouraged. God, so I pray that, that you would just lead us right now to those people in the room that, that need one of those things. Use us in a way to build them up and make them glad they showed up to God's house today to worship, to open up the word, and to leave changed. God, stir it up in our hearts right now, those places that have become cold and hardened. God, renew that sense of urgency in us to love others, to serve others, to be generous towards others, and to worship God wholeheartedly to put Jesus as the top priority in my life. God, I'm confident that if we will do that, we will have a squad unlike any other that not only changes us, but changes the world around us. God, that's my hope and my prayer. Ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.